Nikki, and I'm your host. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from the Philippines, the United Kingdom, and South Africa, to name a few. With over 43,000 downloads, I'm excited to have you here with us, and I can't wait for us to jump into Season 5. Season 5 is all about things that you are going to need to prepare yourself for 2023 and your financial goals. So, let's go ahead and jump into Episode 1. So you guys know that I am always drinking something (laughs) in my videos. Um, Today I am just drinking water and ice cubes, but I really, really want to get into mocktails. I don't know if you guys are familiar with mocktails. Um, They're basically cocktails, but without the alcohol. And what's crazy is I recently went out um, to a restaurant this past weekend and they had mocktails on the menu, but they had like tequila and vodka, but it was zero proof. So if you guys are interested in us learning about zero proof alcohol and getting someone on the podcast to just teach us more about that and how that's budget friendly or if it's not budget friendly, then, you know, let me know in the comments. Let me know what you guys think. Um, I do want to start making more cocktails more mocktails. (laughs) I feel like I've had more than my fair share of cocktails, but there's something about mocktails where it's like, I can enjoy the drink and not necessarily be tipsy, although I know for some people that's kind of the point. Um, And I did try the mocktail with the zero proof tequila in it, and it definitely gives the feeling of being tipsy, but I was not actually tipsy. So I'm not gonna say what the brand is because I don't remember the name of it, but also um, just try out some zero proof ones if you're interested and then come back and let me know what you guys think because I also wanna try different kinds. And I don't know, we might end up making mocktails on the podcast, I have no idea. We'll see where 2023 takes us. So today is episode one of season five. I am super excited for this season because we are in the fourth quarter and this is like, the perfect time for us to start preparing for the financial goals that we have for 2023. Now, when we talk about financial goals, I love talking about them in the beginning of the year, but there is actually a lot of prep work because you want to make sure that you are in a position to carry out your financial goals when the new year starts. So I have to tell you guys this story. Well, it's it's a message that someone sent me. I'm going to read it to y'all and y'all let me know you know, if you have any similar stories or if you guys have any good news that you want to share with us um, or any questions, I'm always going to read those on the podcast. And now, if you don't know, the podcast is audio, but it is also video now on the Black Girl Budget YouTube channel. So definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are trying to hit 200 subscribers by the end of November. So subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe. It's going to be great information. So join the subscription for YouTube. (laughs) All right, so let me just pull this message up. So this person messaged me on Instagram and we are going to call them friend. Um, So friend says, quote, I just moved back in with my mom, so I am $2,500 richer per month. I can't wait to start saving for this house for my son and I. Sis, use me as an example. I will give you my testimony in a few months. I'm going to be swimming in cash. And then she just sent me like a lot of laughing emojis. (laughs) She said, I'm sorry. I'm just very excited. And then she sent a bunch more laughing emojis. And then she says, nine years of paying rent. And I can finally say bye-bye to the lease. I love it. So first of all, I absolutely love, love, love this message. Um, I'm very excited for this person. Uh, We're going to call them friend. 
I'm very excited for this person. And when I read the message, I was immediately ecstatic. I was like, yes, buying a house can be very stressful, but also very fun because a lot of us have always wanted our own home. Now, although I was super excited about this um, message that I got from friend, there were also several other things that came to mind. So I'm going to talk about a couple of different things today, and we're going to start with leases versus mortgages. So in this uh, message, this friend says bye-bye to the lease, which over the last few years, there's been this I don't want to say division or argument, but this discord, maybe discussion about which one is better, renting your house or paying a mortgage. And there are good arguments on both sides, right? Like renting your house means that you can, house meaning housing, apartment, whatever you have, it means you can call the landlord to pay to fix things in the house. You might not have to worry about taxes or HOA fees. You don't have to commit to your housing, but then you don't really have any control over how much your rent is going to go up, right? As we saw, that's actually been a big thing over the last couple of months. A lot of people have seen their rent increase by hundreds of dollars. Um, and then mortgages tend to be a little more stable. If you have a fixed interest rate, then you know what your mortgage is going to be obviously, unless you refinance. So your mortgage also provides you with value toward your net worth. Um, and it's also going to allow you to have more autonomy with the different things that you want to do with your home. Now, I do see a lot of people with, um, with apartments that are kind of debunking that argument and saying, listen, here are all the things that I've done with my apartment and it looks really good. And when I leave, there won't be any damage. So yeah, I can kind of do what I want to do with my apartment, which is great. Now, the list of valid arguments goes on for, for both sides. There are pros and cons to both renting and mortgage. For me personally, even after seeing the valid points on both sides, I don't really have a strong opinion on this either way because it really does depend on your goals, your lifestyle, and ultimately what you want. Not everyone wants to buy a house and not everyone wants to rent. So it really does depend on what do you want. Now saying bye-bye to the lease might not work for you and that's okay. Owning a home is not a requirement for financial success. And I think that's one thing we need to remember. Like there's no one straight direct path toward financial success. And we are coming from all different perspectives. So to think that this one particular path is the only way to get you to financial success, it's not true. It's not true. And it's also just not good for our mental health to think that. Like there are gonna be ups and downs. It's it's an emotional roller coaster. Okay. Financial success is an emotional roller coaster. Now, if you don't want to own a home, that's also fine. If you want to own a home, but you can't afford it right now, I mean, honestly, who can? Be patient. It may feel like everyone else is getting a home, but you don't need to compare yourself to them. And having a lease doesn't make you any less financially successful than people with a mortgage. So we really do have to take a moment to say, am I like, why do I want a home? First of all, why do I want a home? And the fact that I don't have a home, is that affecting how I view myself or how I think other people are going to view me? And it really should just be you focusing on what you want and what you can afford. Don't compare yourself to anyone else and don't rush the process. Trust me, having a house is, is great and you know, cause for celebration. The process to get one is 
not as fun. So, you know, trust the process and be patient and take your time getting to that. Now, the next thing that this made me think of, this message made me think of is setbacks versus strategies, which I gotta be on a lot of y'all. It's a whole sermon in and of itself, but I'm gonna be humble. So, so friend says, I'm moving back in with my mom and I'm going to be $2,500 richer per month. Now, it's pretty common thought process, right? That once we move out, we're grown adults. It's a symbol of our independence and growth. No one wants to move back in with their parents or their family, but sometimes circumstances don't leave us with many other options. And most people are going to see this as a setback. You, you have some set of circumstances that no matter how you divvy this up, no matter how you look at it, the only option is really for you to move back in with your parents or your family for a number of reasons. I actually know someone who recently moved back in with their parents, um, not because they wanted to or they couldn't afford to live alone, but because there were you know all these, it was like a culmination of events that kind of came together and it was just like, the only the only thing that you can do is move back in with your parents. So unfortunately, they did have to do that. Now, moving back in with our parents or guardians, to some of us, represents failure in some ways, right? Like we couldn't stand on our own. We couldn't manage our bills and finances. So we're here now, back in our childhood bedroom with posters still on the wall of NSYNC, Lil' Kim, Romeo, Sammy, Destiny Child. You get the point. Also, Drop below in the comments and let me know who you had on your posters when you were a kid. I think I did have, I think I had Bow Wow and Romeo and Destiny's Child. I think those are like the only posters that I can think of. But y'all drop in the comments. Let me know who you had on your posters when you were a kid. <laughs> now, moving back in with family can honestly be a really good financial strategy that you can use to your benefit. So when I graduated from college, I moved back in with my parents for a year. And in that year, I was working a job making like, I think I might have been making $12.50 at the time, an hour. And um, I needed to like, you know, just save money, but also kind of pull myself together after college. Um, so I graduated, stayed with my parents for a year, and I ended up saving $1,000. Now, of course, that $1,000 doesn't seem like a lot, inflation, blah, blah, blah. But at the time, it was a, it was a really good amount of money, and it really did help me when I got to law school because, of course, you want to get financial aid. You're supposed to get your money back on a certain date. I did not get mine back until October, even though school had started in August. That $1,000 really did carry me through those couple of months. So it was beneficial to be able to save that money up. Now, when I graduated from law school, I moved back in with my parents again for another year. <laughs> and this was the most beneficial decision I've ever made. It was the most strategic decision I've ever made when it comes to my money because it really did give me an opportunity to to get that foundation and get myself situated. So let me just tell y'all, I graduate law school. Now, of course, I'm thinking I should be able to like get a job and immediately move into my own place because I'm a lawyer, I'm making bank, right? You become a lawyer and circle back to me on that one. <laughs> so I moved back in with my parents. I end up paying off 2000 over $2,500 in credit card debt. Um, I think I paid off a cell phone and something else I paid off, but it was like consumer debt that I paid off, right? I saved $7,000 for a down payment on a home. 
I saved another $3,000 in my emergency fund and I paid off about $2,000 in student loans. I was only making $31,000 after taxes as a whole lawyer. So I wasn't necessarily living on a lot, but that's because I didn't have a lot of bills and expenses. Um, and it was really beneficial. So just like paying off the debt, saving the money, paying off some of the student loans, it really put me in a better financial position. Now, my childhood bedroom has always been a strategic place for me to pull my finances together. That much I know. I'm just like, if nothing else, I know that I'm going to go home to my childhood bed with the little beaded curtains and me and my niece are going to have to split this room because it really is a good um, just a good place, a good environment for me to, you know, be in and get my finances together if ever I need to do that. It has worked two times so far. If I ever need to do it in the future, I'm sure my parents will be like, yes, come on in. Now, saying all of that, I am fully aware that not everyone is in the position to move back in with their parents or their family for one reason or another, right? In many ways, this is a privilege that I have for sure. Maybe there's not enough room at your family's place. Maybe the environment is not conducive to what you need. Um, maybe your family also needs more help and you moving in wouldn't be beneficial at all. So I recognize that there are millions of reasons why people cannot move back in with their family um, and that that is a privileged thing to say and be able to do. Um, in, in an alternative, I would say if you still need some kind of strategic plan, consider rooming with a friend or getting a roommate in general. If this is going to help alleviate some of that financial stress so that you can create a strategy. And it, again, getting a roommate, I know we see as like, oh, I have to have a roommate and my back in college. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes we look at setbacks as only setbacks, but we really need to start looking at them as strategies because it's gonna be so much more beneficial to us when we can create a strategy out of what some might deem as a setback. So. Keep that in mind. If you can't move in with family, also consider roommates and friends as well. And I, I know family includes like aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents, but you know, reach out to the whole family. See, see who has an extra bedroom if, if necessary. Um, so when or if you have to move back in with parents or family, don't beat yourself up as if you failed. I mean, you get to be upset and disappointed that things did not work out the way you envisioned. You are entitled to your feelings and your emotions. Absolutely. But how can you use this situation to your advantage is what you once you once you have all the emotions and the feelings and you're like, man, I'm upset. This didn't work out the way I wanted to. I'm disappointed that the money didn't work out the way I wanted to. Once you have all those emotions and you express those emotions, now you need to ask yourself, how can I use this situation to my advantage? Will this help you cut back on spending money? And will this help you cut back on the amount of bills that you have? Can you contribute to this family member's household in other ways besides money? So instead of paying half of the mortgage or rent, can you mow the lawn or keep the house clean, cook or be the handy person? These are other ways for you to say, hey, listen, I, you know, I'm moving back in or I'm moving in. I am still trying to save up my money as much as I possibly can. Is there a way for me to contribute to the household without giving you the money that I'm trying to save? And those are some recommendations. Now, on a bigger scale, we're all going to experience what we personally perceive as some kind of setback. It, it is going to happen. It's just nature. It's the way of the world. 
How can you use those setbacks to your advantage is what you need to start asking yourself. I guarantee you, you had a setback in 2022. You had one in 2021. We all had one in 2020, right? You're going to have at least one in 2023. It might not be big. It might not be a big deal, but there is always going to be some kind of setback, right? Like things didn't work out the way we planned. Maybe we got to switch it up. How can you use that to your advantage? Or how does the setback give you an opportunity to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and alternative ways to get you to the goal? Sometimes we have to remember that setbacks are not to really push us down on our butt and keep us from you know, getting to the ultimate goal and accomplishing what we want, but really to say, listen, you, you're looking at this, you're looking at this, but this is actually the bigger picture. And there are different ways to get you to this bigger picture. So are there some alternative ways to get you to that bigger picture? And this is something that a setback is really going to help you with because once you once the setback happens, you are going to take time to, to really reevaluate what happened and what is going on. So very important for you to ask those questions after a setback. How can I use this to my advantage? How can I use this setback as some kind of strategy? Now, friend sends this message about her house and I'm super excited, but the wheels are turning. So the other thing I thought of is temporary situations versus long-term goals. So in friend's message, friend says nine years of paying rent, but I'm moving back in and I'm gonna buy a house for my son and I. So friend has been paying rent for nine years. This is honestly not uncommon. Like I've seen stories where people are literally renting for 20 plus years. So this is not uncommon. But friend is now ready to create a temporary situation in order to meet their long-term goals. So if you learn nothing else from me, you learn if you're like, I've heard of Black Girl Budget, but I don't really remember what she talked about, remember this one thing, please. Remember that temporary situations can get you to long-term goals faster than you think. When I was paying off my car, I was sending, I think the car note was about 287. I would round up, send $300 toward my car note every month. And then I would send an extra $1,600 toward my car note every single month. There was so much stuff I could have spent that money on, but I wanted my car to be paid off sooner rather than later. So I created this temporary situation. And in 18 months, my $22,000 car was paid off. And I was able to redirect that money towards saving and investing. So you have to remember that sometimes you got to create a temporary situation in order to get you to where you want to go. Now, there were days that were tough. Like there were days I wanted to blow the, the full $1,600. <laughs> no, I'm not sending it toward debt. I literally want to go and just blow all of it at the mall, at the store. I didn't care where it was. I just wanted to do anything with that money besides sending it toward my car note, no questions asked. But I stuck it out and my car was paid off with less than 60,000 miles on it. So I got a car that's paid off, less than 60,000 miles. I'm gonna ride that car until the engine falls out the bottom, okay? I want the engine to be scrubbing across the ground before I say, you know what, I should probably get me a new car. Nah, like we're gonna ride the wheels off that baby, okay? So if you create a temporary situation to get to a long-term goal, there will be days that you absolutely want to give up. Remind yourself that this is all temporary. It will not last forever. 
once you're on the other side, you'll be in a much better place. And that's one thing that I wanted to remind friend. I'm, I'm sure friend is watching this, this episode or listening to it. Friend, there are days where you're going to be like, listen, I love my mom. We're great. Um, but you're really getting on my nerves. Stick it out and talk about it, right? Communicate. And, and you and your mom might be besties, so you might never have that issue. Um, but there might be days where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm really tired of this taking so long. How can I get my house faster? What can I do? And so you really have to remind yourself that you have a goal and you have a strategy and that even though it takes you time and some days might not be the easiest day to stick to your goals and your strategies, you will come out on the other side and you'll be in a much better place, especially if you are able to save $2,500 a month, every single month, oh my gosh, you have no idea. You have no idea what I would do with that money. <laughs> and so speaking of goals, I, I really love this message because it's goal-oriented. So friend tells us, I will give you my testimony in a few months and I'm going to be swimming in cash, right? So excited, I'm getting thirsty. Uh, friend says I'm going to be swimming in cash. Now, friend doesn't tell us the specifics of their goal, but we can see that friend has some kind of plan from just based off of what they say. They say, you know, I'll give you my testimony in a few months. All right, we know this isn't going to take years. It's going to take a couple of months and they're going to be swimming in cash. So we know that there's some kind of money that they're going to be stacking up. And I cannot stress this enough. You need to have your budget and finances center around your goals. If you are just budgeting just to budget, you won't see that progress that you're looking for. It's so important to make sure that you're incorporating your goals into your budget. And this is something I talk about in the How to Budget course. I just released this course. It's budget friendly. It's an hour long on demand course. You can purchase it and watch it from your phone, from your laptop, whenever you want, wherever you want, as many times as you want. But in the course, I harp on the fact that you need to have your budget centered around your goals. And I walk through several examples on how to do this. How do you adjust your goals to meet your budget? And then I give examples on how to adjust your budget to meet your goals. So grab that course. It's going to be super beneficial to you. Um, and it's really going to help you understand that your goals have to be a part of your budget or you're going to be stagnant, right? You'll wake up one day and be like, oh my gosh, why haven't I hit any of my goals? I'm in the same place as I was months ago. So grab the course. It's on the Black Girl Budget website. As soon as you purchase it, you'll get the link, download it immediately, and then you can store it and watch it whenever you want. Now, that course is going to make a difference. Y'all grab it, circle back to this episode, and comment and let me know how you're going to incorporate your goals into your budget. Now, what we don't know is what friend's specific goal and strategy is. But here is what I would do because... You know, you're going to, you're always going to need a strategy to reach your goals. There's just no way to say, oh, here's my goal and I'm just going to wing it. There's always going to be some kind of strategy. Even if your strategy is just like, I'm manifesting, whatever. Like, you're always going to have some kind of strategy. So a friend says that they will be $2,500 richer each month. So let's just assume that $2,500 is the money they're saving on rent, bills, and other expenses. If friend does not have an emergency fund, we're going to start there. This is something else I talk about in the How to Budget course. You always, always start with your emergency fund. Honestly, for three months straight, I would just save the, the $2,500 toward my emergency fund. Now, this is if I or friend has $0 in our emergency fund. 
we're just going to save the first three months and that is going to give us seven thousand five hundred dollars now i'm not going to get into the details of like where do i keep my emergency fund we'll talk about that in another episode i know people are always like they have strong opinions about that <laughs> which i learned on tiktok but we'll get into that in another episode when you're buying a house you want to make sure that you have an emergency fund for emergencies and the unexpected that's going to be super important because there's so much that happens during the home buying process um but but more so after you've purchased the home there's more that happens once you move in so i remember um bought bought my town home and um bought my town home and i think we've been there for like a year maybe we're there for a year and the ac unit goes out it, every everything's under warranty right we've got all the warranty information ac unit goes out we call the people out and they're like okay it's gonna cost like 99 dollars for us to come out there 99 dollars is not a lot of money right but if you are in a position where you might not make a significant amount of money or you just weren't expecting to drop a hundred dollars randomly because the ac decided to go out then it can really mess up your budget and so your emergency fund is really there to make sure that your monthly budget is not thrown off and you can afford anything that it's either an emergency or it's unexpected now let me tell you the ac went out in the summer in florida this was this was certainly an emergency i was like sir i will break you off in cash get here now okay get here right now um and so i i was prepared for that but there are all kind of things that happen like that i actually have a friend who uh, bought a house two years ago and her ac unit went out and um whatever part went out i don't believe was under warranty and she did have to pay a lot more than what she was expecting so you really have to remember that your emergency fund is for the completely unexpected and i know when i talk about emergency funds people are like well but nikki that's never going to happen and i'll just fix my ac annually listen your emergency fund is literally for emergencies you weren't anticipating this you weren't thinking about this never in your wildest dreams did you think this was going to happen at this time that's why you have the emergency fund so please 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 hear me when i say you need an emergency fund have one especially when you are buying a house because there are all kind of things that can happen and you just want to make sure that you're prepared that you don't end up in in some awful situation right after you've accomplished the goal of purchasing a home which is what you really wanted to do now the next thing i would do is if there are any debts that i can knock out like credit cards and smaller debts I definitely get rid of those. This is going to help with the debt to income ratio, credit history, and your credit score, which will help you get a lower interest rate and ultimately a lower mortgage payment. And that's really what you want to do. So if you've never bought a house before or if you just don't know this, your interest rate is going to directly affect how much your monthly mortgage payment is. We want to keep that mortgage payment as low as we possibly can. And we're gonna do that by keeping our interest rate as low as we possibly can. So definitely keep that in mind. Interest rate is really gonna be affected by your credit history, your credit score, um, as well as how much you're putting down. I know that plays a role as well. So all that is gonna be factored in and you wanna make sure that during the time that you are being strategic by living with family or friends, that you are literally using every waking day <laughs> to benefit the strategy that you've created for yourself. I actually, um, I just posted this earlier this week on Instagram and TikTok is that the decisions you make today 
are going to affect how you live tomorrow. So today, you need to make progressive decisions. And I don't say you need to make good decisions. I don't tell people that they've made bad decisions. Progressive, you've either made a progressive decision or a non-progressive decision. That's really how this works. And when I say progressive decision, whatever decision you've made, I don't care what it is, what it's related to, is it going to progress the goals that you have set for yourself and the strategies that you've created? Or is it not going to be progressive? Is it not going to get you a step further and you're either going to be stagnant or you might actually have a setback, right? So when we're talking about making decisions, you want to make sure that what you do today is always going to progress you toward tomorrow. So if you have this strategy where you're moving back in with friends or family, yeah, there are some days where you're like, mm, I'm just not going to do, you know, I'm not going to pay this or I'm not going to save whatever. What you decide today is ultimately going to affect your tomorrow. So please keep that in mind. And you can see that based on paying off debt is going to affect your debt to income ratio, which will affect maybe how much you put down or your interest rate, which is ultimately going to affect how much your mortgage payment is. If your mortgage payment is high, maybe you won't be able to pay extra toward your mortgage if you want. If your mortgage rate is low, maybe you can pay extra and have enough money to invest at the same time, vice versa. So remember, what we do today is ultimately going to affect us tomorrow. Now, after we've paid off whatever small debts we have from there, I would focus on the down payment. Figure out how much money do I need for the down payment and then figure out how long is it going to take me to save that amount of money. I'd even save a little extra so that I could buy furniture with cash. Uh, one of my clients who I've done a consultation with, we were just talking about some of the decisions that they've made. And one thing that they tell, told me is, um, they're like, listen, when we first bought our house, and they have a lovely house, when we first bought our house, we bought all of the furniture on credit. Probably one of the worst decisions we've ever made. They bought all of their furniture on credit, and it took them years to pay it off they were still paying on the couch and the couch was like i'm ready to go like it's time to take me out back so i would probably save up uh maybe like an extra couple thousand dollars to be able to buy new furniture for the new place as my dad always says you don't want to take that old furniture into your new place like get you some new furniture um so approaching the home buying process for a friend in this manner might actually take more like six to twelve months which might be a little longer than what friend was expecting but they'd be in a great position to buy that house and move in with new furniture so remember when you're talking about goals and strategies you want to make sure that you are leveling your expectations to something that is reasonable because if friend says you know what i'm going to take three months to just save as much as i can that's my down payment and my emergency fund and boom i'm good to go then yeah I, that could very well work i'm not saying that that wouldn't work that could very well work but um you want to make sure that you are doing this in a calm and stress-free like process right so you want to make sure that you are not trying to get this done sooner rather than later just to say you did it but you want to make sure okay i got my emergency fund i got the down payment i can walk into any store and get my furniture in cash and i you know i can stock the refrigerator buy my cleaning supplies and i'm good to go so keep that in mind like if you are thinking you can do something in three months but once you start to go through the numbers and write down your strategy it's looking more like six to twelve months accept that accept that 
you know, take that as part of the process and understand that, yeah, it's going to take me a little longer, but if I do this in three months, I might not be in as good of a position as if I do it in six or 12 months. So that's just my tidbit. That's how I would approach that. That's very similar to how I approached buying my own home in 2018. <laughs> so, so yeah, you definitely want to make sure that um, you are covering as much as you can by saving money so that you can cover those expenses. Now, I love this message. It, it had a lot of great components for me to pull out of this message, but season five is all about preparing us for 2023. So how does this message actually help us prepare for 2023? If you have a goal of, of buying a house specifically, because I know that's a really big goal for a lot of people. If you had a goal of buying a house in 2022 and you didn't buy the house in 2022, it's okay. It's okay. Now, between November and December, now is the time to reevaluate that goal and first ask yourself, do I really want to buy a house or do I want to buy it because of societal pressures and perspectives? That's really how you should approach that. If you didn't get the house, but you know you really wanted one, don't beat yourself up either. Like you're not running out of time to get a house. Honestly, in this economy, waiting might not be a bad thing. So... Consider, do I really want to buy a house? If I do, don't beat, my, don't beat yourself up. Let's reevaluate the goal and figure out how we can do that in 2023. And if we, if we come to the conclusion that I really can't afford to do this in 2023 either, then how can we do it in 2024? Remember, not right now doesn't mean no. It just means not right now. So you might not be able to get the house in 2022 or 2023, but that doesn't mean you'll never get it. So continue to extend that deadline out until you realize all right in 2025 that's my year i will be able to afford a house the other thing that you need to know to prepare you for 2023 is to take a look at the setbacks you had in 2022 how can you use them to your advantage going forward into 2023 is there a bigger picture you need to see or are there alternative ways to approach your goal in 2023 if there are this is the perfect time again for you to start assessing that what's an alternative route for me to save in my emergency fund what's an alternative route for me to invest in my ira maybe there's an alternative way for me to save up and purchase a car now if you are looking for different ways to save and budget for this the how to budget course has a number of examples where i walk through how to do that math and how to ultimately incorporate it into your budget the other thing you want to talk about with yourself is, is there a temporary situation that you need to create in 2023 that will help you get closer to your goals? And yes, I did say talk about this with yourself because you, if you're an individual, now obviously if you're married and, and you have a partner um, or you're not married and you have a partner, make sure you incorporate them into your strategy planning sessions. But talk about this with yourself or your partner or whoever your sounding board is is there a temporary situation that you can create in 2023 that will get you to your goals a little faster? So for example, when I got out of college, I knew I was gonna move back in with my parents. When I got out of law school, I knew I was gonna move back in, my, back in with my parents. These were temporary situations though, and I knew they were temporary, and I created a strategy and a plan to make sure that it was no more than a year. So after that year between college and law school, I was going to law school. After that year from law school, I was moving into my own place. So start planning for, you know, any potential 
temporary situation that you might need in 2023, start planning for that in the next 60 days. If you know you're going to ask your parents to move back in with them, be ready for that conversation. Who do you need to ask, right? Like there's always, I feel like there's always one parent you got to talk to first before you talk to the other one, but maybe you could talk to them together depending on what you're asking. So who do you need to talk to? When should you talk to them? And what do you need to communicate to them? Hey, mom and dad, aunt, uncle, cousin, best friend, brother, whoever, I would like to move in with you for the next six months. During those six months, I don't want to pay you, you know, half of the mortgage, but I'll cover the water bill, the electricity, and I'll clean up or I'll cook or whatever. And after those six months, then I'll be moving out. I will have saved X, Y, Z amount of money every month. That's enough for me to have a down payment. I'm going to move out and buy a house. That's how you want that conversation to go. Be open, be communicative, make sure you have a start date, an end date, and make sure they understand what your goal is. And throughout those six months, update them on how you're reaching that goal hey i you know i've been here for two months i've saved up about a fourth of my goal i'll be out of here sooner than i thought so keep those people um up to date with what you have going on the communication is really going to help you with any potential issues of like hey it's really hard for us to be in the same space all the time like when are you really moving out make sure you have that information readily available and talk to them about it as often as you can so lastly, the goals that you have for 2023, do you have strategies to execute those goals or are you just kind of envisioning what you want to do and you're winging it? You have no short-term, no long-term goals, no strategies. You're just like, nah, this is what I want to do. We'll see what happens. No, we always need strategies and we need our budget to center around the goals that we have. So for example, let's say you want to save $6,000 in your emergency fund next year. And let's say you have $0 right now. You know you want $6,000. Great, we're gonna take $6,000, divide it by 12 months, because that's how many months are in 2023, and you can see we get the number 500. This represents how much money you need to save every single month in 2023 to save $6,000 in your emergency fund. So every month, like clockwork, you need to save $500 into your emergency fund. If you realize I can't afford to put $500 away every month, then reduce it to 300 and adjust your goal and adjust your budget. This is again something I talk about in the How to Budget course. So you wanna make sure that whatever your strategy is, whatever your goal is, that you can afford it in your budget and that you can hit the goals that you want. And if you realize this goal is not necessarily feasible for me, then adjust the goal. If you say, I wanna do $6,000 and you realize, oh crap, I really can't afford to do more than $3,600, that's what you need to adjust your goal to. So. Friend, thank you so much for sending in your good news. I am so excited to catch up with you when you purchase your new home. If you all have any good news that you want to share with the Black Girl Budget community, you can share it with me via Instagram DMs or via my email. I'm going to come on the podcast and share it with everyone else and we'll talk about some of the lessons that we can learn from the good news or the questions that you might have. If you all have questions that you want to be answered, you can also send them in a DM on Instagram or you can email me as well. Make sure that you subscribe to the Black Girl Budget YouTube channel and let's get 200 subscribers by the end of November. I will see you all next week. Thank you for joining the podcast.